Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Revelation chapter 3. We actually was in our daily reading yesterday. And... Uh, He's talking to one of the churches. He wrote these seven letters or these letters to diff- seven different churches. And one of the churches, he said this. He said, uh, Revelation 3 works that you are. You look at that. He says, behold, or he says, I know your works that you are neither hot nor cold. He says, I wish you were cold or hot. He kind of changed it. He says, you're neither cold nor hot. And I wish you were either cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, notice he says it three times, he says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's kind of nasty, right? I will vomit you out of my mouth because you are neither what? Cold or <laughs> cold or hot. The Lord's kind of like, I want to know where you stand with me, right? I'd rather you stand over there or stand here than stand kind of in the middle. I don't want you to be on the wall. I want you to be cold or hot. Lord, I pray as we open your word today that you would enlighten our hearts. Speak to us. Show us individually what you're saying to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Cold or hot, you know, you go to Starbucks, right, and you order a drink, and you say, I want a mocha frappuccino, right, or I want, I guess, frappuccino might identify it, but you might say, I want a, um, a vanilla latte, right, and then they say, what? Well, if you've maybe never been to Starbucks, you don't know. They say, cold or hot, right? Do you ever say lukewarm? No, <laughs> that's kind of nasty, right? Because I kind of want you to pick. Do you want it cold or hot? Nobody likes new, lukewarm, right? Lukewarm. Do you ever order a meal? Like, you know, you go down and you order a good, how many like a big, just a good steak every once in a while? Okay, even vegans, like. I think they, <laughs> you need a good steak every once in a while, okay? But a good steak, you never say, I, wanna, I want a good steak and can you make it lukewarm? Or I want to order a bowl of soup. Can you just make that lukewarm? That's nasty. That, that's, 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 maybe do you have health issues? What's going on with you? You like it cold or hot? If you say, I want it cold, well, you understand that. And you say, I want it hot, right? In fact, nowadays, we want it extra hot, right? I want a, I want a, a coffee and I want it, or I want a, a you know, a, a drink at, um, at Starbucks or something. And you say, I want it extra hot, right? That's the way the Lord is. He says, I want it cold or hot, but I don't like lukewarm. You never say whatever you want. You know, uh, if you like to cook, I know one thing my mother-in-law, I love my mother-in-law, Debbie, but when we'll go over to their house to cook, uh, usually every time, you know, we're doing something, we're, we're busy talking or messing around or doing something, just hanging out with the family, and then she'll go, I cook dinner, okay, it's going to get cold. She says that every time. She goes, it's going to get cold, it's going to get cold. And then my first thought is, well, I'll heat it up. You know, we're talking. Like, we're hanging out right now. But she's, that's kind of rude of me, I understand. But so I don't say that. I say, okay, let's go eat, you know. But I always think, because I'm always, like, in the present. Like, whatever I'm doing, I'm in the present. We're in the middle of a conversation. We're in the middle of, we're we're doing something right now. Hey, it's going to get cold, right? But what she's saying is, I cooked it. I prepared it. I want you to have it while it's hot, right? Same thing with, you ever go to a, um, you're pulling through a drive-thru or something and you say, I want, I'm going to order a Coke at McDonald's. Man, how many like the McDonald's ice? They have good ice at McDonald's. Come on. 
all across the world, they have good ice at McDonald's, okay? So you go into McDonald's and you say, I want a Coke, right, with an ice, with some ice, and then they, they pull out that Coke and they put it with hardly any ice, just like three ice cubes, and it's a hot day, right? And uh, people say, well, I like it that way because uh, they give me more drink. Yeah, but it's lukewarm. Like, so order that with a cup of ice or something. You need some ice, right? On a hot day, you need some ice, right? So sometimes I'll say extra ice if it's hot, and if it's cold, I want it hot, right? Same thing with the Lord. You know where I got that from? I got that from the Lord. <laughs> he, he likes it cold or hot too. He doesn't like it lukewarm. He doesn't like us lukewarm. He doesn't like us Luke. Sorry, Luke. He doesn't like us lukewarm. He doesn't like us right in between. He likes us either hot or he likes us cold, extra hot or extra cold. Don't be lukewarm. Come on, somebody say it to yourself. Don't be lukewarm warm. Get in or out. Get off the wall. Get off the fence. Jump in with God. Go for it 100%. Or don't. But don't be in between. And then in Revelation 3.20, a few verses down, he says this, behold. What's that mean? Look. He's saying, look. I stand at the door. <laughs> you know, some people have at the at their front of their door, they have those nest cameras or those, what is the other kind of called? Nest or, what is it? Or ring, yeah, they have those cameras and they're saying, look, I'm out your front door. So, and then they have this message that pops up on your phone and it says, someone's at your front door. And you look and you go, oh, check it out, you know. But the Lord is like, hey, what if he popped up on your phone and it's like, hey, look, I'm at your front door. Would you say, oh, it's God, I don't want to. In fact, you ever, you ever, you, you know, you're, you're, you're in your house and maybe it's not clean or it's not to the place where you want it to be and someone knocks on the door and you're like, who's at the door? Did they come early? Has that ever happened to anybody? Just my wife? Yeah, just me, just me. Right. And we say, oh, no, did, did, they, did they come early? Like, who's, who's at the door? And you kind of you peek, you know, and some people have those open windows so that you can kind of just see straight through, but you're looking through the people. Can they see me through behind the people so if I don't answer, you know, because you want to know who's at your door because if they come in, they're going to see the the real you, <laughs> right? Not the cleaned up you, right? Not the, not the, right? You ever posted something on, on social media and then you go, oh man, that was a bad picture and you, you delete it, you know, because you're like, that's the real me. I don't want to show a good picture, right? Uh, behold, I stand at the door. Or, or here's the best one. You have a phone and nowadays uh, it, it, it comes up on your phone whether you know the person or not. If it's a number that you don't know, do you answer it? Come on, how many answered if it's a number you don't know? Yeah, oh, good, okay, good, good, yeah. But most of us don't, <laughs> most of us don't want, you don't want to talk to anybody who you don't know, right? You know, see, I have a 714 number, because I'm from, you know, from California, I just haven't changed my number yet. It's not that I'm not identifying with Memphis, I just, I just haven't changed my number yet, okay? So, um, and most of the time I'll call, when I call people in Memphis, they never answer the phone. And I said, oh, because it's Orange County number. I didn't want to, I thought it was a debt collector or something. I thought, well, I don't want to answer the phone. And I'm in trouble or something. And I, no, 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 it's just me. So, uh, but you, you get to screen. Do you know that we screen God? Because he said he's standing at the door and he's knocking. And it says, listen, if anyone would hear my voice and open the door. Notice it's not he's standing at the door and knocking so worship happens. Worship, connection, fellowship with God does not happen unless you open the door, unless you make a conscious choice. And the same way that we can treat people on the outside of the door that we see who's there and we say, let's hide 
and pretend we're not, oh, our cars are outside. They're going to know we're home. <laughs> oh, our, oh, oh, their phone number. How do they know? What if we answer, you know, right? And uh, the same way we can treat God sometimes is that God's knocking, God's ringing, God's trying to get messages in, God's trying to communicate with us. And we sometimes can say we're not ready for that yet. We're not ready for that conversation yet. You ever been there? You ever done that? Yeah. I'm just not ready for the conversation. Yeah, I got to get some things straight. Got to get some things right. I'm not sure. But he says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, notice I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. We all scream God. We know it's God knocking. But do we stop, open the door and say, my house is messy, but you're my family. I love you. Come on in. Help me clean up. <laughs> in fact, he's, he's the best one, right? That can help you clean up. So you open the door. Uh, in Joshua chapter 24, remember Joshua said to the people, you don't, uh, it just says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt. See, all of us in our family line, in our heritage, maybe in our own experience, we had other things in, that we invited in, we felt comfortable with, we spent time with. But he says, I want you to put those things away and serve the Lord. And verse 15 says... And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves. Can you say choose for yourselves? See, listen, you choose for yourself whether you're going to worship God, fellowship with God. Worship doesn't just happen. I, I don't think I ever wake up and just go, oh, I found myself worshiping. Most of the time it starts with a choice. I'm not, I know that sometimes, you know, that I'm overwhelmed with the goodness of God and I'll say, thank you, Lord. But I'm saying most of the time, 90% of the time plus, it's I stop and I choose to worship. It has nothing to do with an emotion. It has nothing to do with a feeling. It has nothing to do whether things are going right or not. It has to do that he's God and I just stop and I love him and talk with him and open my heart to him. I choose to do that. And what happens? He comes in and, and Revelation 3.20 says he fellowships with me. He dines. I love how he says it. He dines with you. He's saying, let's have lunch in your heart. Let's have lunch. Let's have fellowship in your heart, but you do have to invite him. So he says in verse 15, choose for yourself. Notice this day who you'll serve. Don't put it off today. He says, whether the gods of your fathers that you served on the other side of the river, notice the other side of the river, other side of the tracks, other side of your life, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But here's the scripture. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's say it together. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, say it over your family. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When you walk into some households, they, they have that over their, uh, over their house as you walk in. It's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I say it over my life. and I, Tiffany and I will pray and say that over our family. As for us and our house, We'll serve the Lord. Another was in the book of Isaiah. It says, all of my children shall be taught of the Lord. Sometimes you have about, if you have three children, you have two of them that are good and one of them that's going away. Usually everybody I meet is praying for that one lost child, right? Even the Bible has the prodigal son, right? One at home and one out there. But I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. All of my children shall be taught of the Lord. Come on, say it. All of my children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of my children. How often, how, how long should you declare that? All their lives. I can tell you I've been serving the Lord for many years now, 
My two brothers have been serving the Lord for many years now, but my mom is 87 years old and still says, all my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of that David. Keep him in the center of the will of God. Do you ever think I say, for kids and our families? Come on, say it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, we're going to all serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So he says, choose to serve the Lord. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, I, I say it over my house, and not just because I'm a pastor, I say, as for me and my house, we go to church on Sundays. We get up and go to church on Sundays. As for me and my house, we read our Bibles and pray. Oh, yeah, I wish I wasn't a pastor's kid. Some people might say, my kids would never say but. Um, but, but I'm saying, you know, some people might say, you force us to serve the Lord, force us to. No, I didn't force you to. I, I, I give you the privilege to serve the Lord. For me and my house, we serve the Lord. We read our Bibles. We pray. We go to church. We listen to God. We pray. We ask God for direction and wisdom. We serve the Lord. We obey the Lord. And remember the first of the Ten Commandments in uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. The first commandment, the very first commandment that he gives is this, you shall have no other gods before me. I love Exodus 20. It says, no other gods, only me. No other gods, only me. What is he saying? He's saying, I, I choose God. Come on, would you say it again with me? I choose God in my life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we just sang this song from 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, We love him because he first loved us. Would you say that with me? We love him because he first loved us. And I've said this many times, and I believe it. Worship is not just a choice. It's a response. It's a response to the received love of God. It's a response to the love of God. This is why we love God, because he first loved us. You might say, why do you love God? Because he loved us. It's important to know the why on things. You love him because he loved you. Worship is a response to his love. But here's the big question. If that's the truth, which it is, why doesn't everybody love him? Because does God love every person? Does God, <laughs> does God love every person? Yes. God loves every person. Then why doesn't every person love him? Because it's not just that he loves you. It's not just that he's knocking on our door. It's not just that he, he doesn't force us to love him. He loves us and then he gives us the opportunity to respond. It's about, it's about a, a response. It's about responding to God's love. People, I believe the reason why people have a hard time worshiping God, listen, I believe the reason why people have a hard time worshiping God is because they haven't yet received the depths of the love of God. They haven't yet received the depths of the love of God. See, you can, you can be a person that says, I'm shy, I don't really feel comfortable talking to people, I don't get really excited uh, you know, about, about things, and, and you're going through a hard time in your life, and someone walks up to you and says, hey, um, I, I'm gonna, I wrote you a check for $100,000. Really? Woo! That's they ain't a shy person anymore, right? They just met their they just met all the prayers for a little while, right? They're, they're excited about it. Why? Because they received something and they got overwhelmed by the goodness, and there was a response that was given, right? There was a response that was given. 
I'm not talking with money with God. I'm talking, uh, you know, alone. I'm talking about the goodness of God. When we receive the goodness of God, when we receive the mercy of God, the love of God, the grace of God in our lives, it's easy for us to respond back to him. That's why it's not just, come on, let's worship God, everybody. You know what I usually will say? If I don't see people worshiping, I'll say, hey, let's receive the goodness of God. Let's receive the presence of God. Let's receive the, the, the manifest presence of God. And, and what is the description of the presence of God? Love. God is what? So when people walk in, they just, I just feel such love. You know what they're saying? I feel the presence of God. I feel the presence of God. That, God smells like love, talks like love, thinks like love. When you're around God, you get overwhelmed. Why? Because he's loved. What's our natural? When you walk ultimate love for us so when we feel loved what's our natural when you walk up to a person and I've done this hundreds of times in my life someone who I know didn't feel too loved maybe they haven't been hugged for a long time maybe they feel cold toward people they feel very distant toward people they haven't been they haven't see Jesus didn't come down in spirit he came down in flesh I believe because he wanted to love and hug and touch and be person this is what he's put inside of us sometimes I'll there'll be someone who hasn't been loved for a while and I'll just walk up and I'll tell you instead of praying for him one of the best things you could do is walk up and just give him a big hug tell him I love you brother and I've watched people just weep and I say what's wrong I haven't felt loved I haven't felt loved and then you know they'll, they'll kind of hold you like this and then after they feel like you really are uh, Love them. Man, they just, oh, I've had people just hold on to me. Oh, 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 oh. Well, it's not because, you know, I smell good or it's not because I'm some special person. It's just because I love them. When we can take in the embrace of the Lord, when we can just let God love us like that, it's easy to respond back and love him. That's why everybody doesn't love him. You know, in psychological Studies, you, you study a stimulus and response. You've all heard that, stimulus and response. It's, about, it's really about conditioning, okay, conditioning, stimulus and response. And um, uh, like how human behavior is learned. Like one thing we know is a hot stove. You walk up to a stove or you walk up to a hot pan and you touch it and what do you do? You touch it and you go, ow, right? But the next time you walk up to a hot pan, what do you do? You walk up like this. <laughs> Why? Because you don't want to get burnt. Sometimes I, Tiffany and I have talked in our, you know, as kids grow up and they go into something and, and you know, not something real dangerous like life-threatening, but they'll walk up and I say, hey, don't touch that plate. And then they don't touch it. And, and I, I just say, well, they're not going to, you know, just let them touch it. I've told them five times. And they walk up, ow, ow. And you go, I, 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 don't, I don't love them because I didn't make them not touch it. No, maybe I loved them because I allowed them to not not kill themselves, but just to touch it enough to, because next time they walk up and they go, even my dog, even my dog walk up to something hot, you know, and walk up, <laughs> you know, like, like uh, my dog, I remember uh, uh, in California, I had a dog, and we had an English bulldog, okay, down about this big, looked like a bowling ball, just about this big, people thought he was a potbelly pig, she was a potbelly pig, and she was sitting there, her name was Sydney, and so she would, when she was a puppy, she's, uh, licking like uh, up, at the, up at the bottom, the corner down here of a baseboard, and she'd take a corner and start to gnaw on it 
like this on the baseboard. And I'll tell Tiffany, let's get rid of this dog. You know, on the baseboard over here. And he say, she'd say, no, 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 we, we got to try to train him. Well, how do you train him? So I, I, I tried everything. I mean, you know, I tried a little choke collar on her and give her a little correction here and there. And then finally, I was, you know, I was thinking about it one morning, and I went and got some habanero, habanero sauce. I said, I'm not. As I went and got some, I'm sorry, you animal lovers. It worked, but let me just tell you. I went and got some habanero sauce, and I went and rubbed it all over that corner. Rubbed it all over that corner like this. I just said, well, I think that took care of it. And then I came back, I came back into the room, you know. You know, Sydney, I said, what's wrong? What's wrong, Sydney? <laughs> she didn't point, but I'm saying I could. <laughs> she never chewed that thing again. Why? Because stimulus and response, right? <laughs> she, she, she wasn't Hispanic. She didn't like the habanero sauce, right? She was an English bulldog, <laughs> right? She stopped chewing that. She stopped chewing that. Stimulus and response, stimulus and response. Uh, Paul... Pavlov, you remember the, uh, you may, may remember back in the 20s, Pavlov, yeah, he did this thing back in the 20s where uh, he said, I noticed that, he noticed that a dog, every time the dog sees food, the dog would start to salivate, right? And so he would try to say, well, that's an unconditioned response, that's just kind of natural, he salivates like we salivate when you see food and you're hungry, right? And so he said, well, how, what about if I make a conditioned response? So he rang a bell and the dog didn't salivate, nothing. So he said, how about if I take the bell and the food and put them together and every time he went to go do food, he'd set the food down and ring the bell. And then the dog would, you know, salivate because of course it'd see the food, but it also identified with the bell. Well, then after a while, he took the food away and came up and rang the bell. And what did the dog do? The dog started to salivate. That was a conditioned response. What was he doing? He was associating the bell with food. And so every time he heard the, the dog heard the bell, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what we do in life is we have this conditioned response in our, in our lives that we run after things that, that bring us the satisfaction that we're looking for we just innately or, or na- subconsciously. We're not thinking about it. It's not on the front of our brain. And so he, uh, he concluded that you can create these conditioned responses, that you hug someone who hasn't been hugged for a while, someone who hasn't felt loved for a while. Conditioned response. Well, can I tell you, we as society have been conditioned to love the world. I know that's kind of a broad statement. But we as a society have been conditioned to love the world, not to easily love the Lord, but to love the world by all the things that are out there. First John chapter 2, verse 15 says this. Listen, this is going to help you. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Let me say it again. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's pretty heavy blanket statement. He says, for all that is in the world, and he's about to tell you, there's only three things that the world has to give. There's only three things that the world has to give. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, can you say lust of the flesh? The lust of the eye and the pride of life. There's only three things in the world, the three, the conditioned response that the world has for us to not serve other things, but to serve the world is three things. There's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. In other words, you can boil every sin Every sin, every struggle, every temptation down to three things. 
It's lust of the flesh. Stuff your flesh wants. Lust of the eye. Greed. It's never enough. I want more. And pride of life. I'm the man. Right? Who I am. Yeah. The lust of the flesh. The word lust is not some dirty word. It's, it really just means a strong desire. It's a strong desire. In fact, in James 4, 5, it says that the spirit lusts for us jealously. The spirit lust the spirit in us lusts for us jealousy when he sees us loving the world he has lust for us now i know it sounds dirty like lust no it's a strong desire god has a strong desire for us and 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 he's saying that the things in the world we have a strong or lust after those things but god wants us to come back and don't misunderstand me when i say this he wants us to lust after him to have a strong desire for him like he has toward us and in fact in Ephesians verse uh, 2 it says and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air by the way I think that's an interesting thing that way back in Ephesians before they had radio TV internet airwaves social media anything he calls him the prince of the power of the air in other words he dominates the airwaves He says, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Can you say lusts of our flesh? That's the strong desire of our flesh. This world, what Ephesians is saying is before we knew Christ, that we were dominated by the strong desires that our flesh wanted. Our flesh wants things. It wants things that feed me right? Whether it be food or, or alcohol or drugs or sex or, or, or whatever it is, feed me. I want more. I need more and the flesh is never satisfied. And, 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 and then he says, and the lust of the eye. What is the lust of the eye? It's your eyes never satisfied. Your eyes never satisfied. In other words, I, well, all I, all I got to do, I got to get to where I can make, you know, I got to get to where I can make 50,000 a year and then I can make 80,000 a year and then I can make that six figures and then six isn't enough and then you, you have, get this house or get this car or get this and then it'll be enough. Can I tell you, it will never be enough. If you're not content with where you are now and what you're doing now, you'll never be content. Right? If my spouse was this way, if this was this way, then I'd be content. No, you wouldn't. Because contentment's within. Contentment's within. In every, Paul said, I've learned that in whatever state I'm in to be content, whatever state, we're in Tennessee. No, he's not just talking about that state. But he said, whatever state you're in, be content in that state. Be content in that place, in that position, in that house, in that business, in that car. Be content. Well, if I'm content, then I'll I'll never get past it. That's not true. In fact, Jesus said, if you're faithful in what's small, then you'll be faithful in what's big. If you're content in what's small, then you'll be content in what's big. If you're not content, I hate my car. Piece of crap. I shouldn't say that. I don't like that car. Cursing out your car, talking about your car all the time. Do you know what? You'll never be pleased with a car. You may for a little while, but after a while, it's just some old thing. 
You know, one of, one of the, the Bible says in Proverbs, it says a man has joy by the answer of his tongue. I think, let me tell you over married, married relationships, it's important for you to say, I love my spouse. I love you, honey. I love you. I appreciate you. Why? Because your heart brings contentment and joy and you drink from your own will. It's important to do that, not to always just try to find more in your life. So to be worshipers, listen, we must continually condition ourselves to love God. Condition ourselves to love God. Can you say that? Condition myself to love God. It's important for us to condition ourselves to love God. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Notice, and all that's within me bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And he goes on and says, who forgives all my sins? What is he doing? He's saying, I want everything inside of me to bless the Lord. My mind, my thoughts. See, we're four, we have four things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's your spirit, your soul. That's your, your, uh, you know, your, your emotions, your processes. Your mind, that's your mental, and your strength. That's your physical. He's saying, with all those things, I'm going to bless the Lord in, with my whole heart, with my whole mind, with my whole strength, with all of myself, with all of my emotions. And what do you do? You bring yourself, you condition yourself to love God. Because when you do it 100%, you have the results of what true worship. Those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Your whole being, you love the Lord. And I want to say this this example as we wrap up here. Listen to this. Mary and Martha. And, and, and I know you've seen this. Mary and Martha. I just want to read the verse where Jesus says to Mary and Martha in Luke. They were sisters. Mary, Martha actually was the one who invited Jesus into the house. But Martha got distracted with the details. Martha was about quantity, not quality. Martha had FOMO. You know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. That's why, that's why oh, you don't go to bed early. You have FOMO. That's why you can't rest in your soul. You have FOMO. Martha had FOMO. Fear of missing out. See, Martha was the one who invited Jesus in. And then Martha got distracted with serving. It's like she, you invite company over and the whole time you're working for them in the kitchen. And the company's sitting out there waiting for you. And you're like, but I'm serving you. You think, you, you think I came here for you to serve? I could have went to a restaurant if I needed someone to serve me. I wanted you, not what you can do for me. What happened? Mary sat down, and she listened at the feet of Jesus. So what did, what did Jesus say? He said, Martha, Martha. <laughs> I, th- I, I think it would be like, Martha, Martha. <laughs> you know, I could only, he said it twice. I can almost imagine, Martha, what are you doing? You invited me in. You're working. Get over here. Sit down. But Lord, Rebuke my sister because I'm trying to get everything done for all this stuff. And, 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 and she's just sitting around lazy behind and trying to do all this stuff. And Martha, you're worried and distracted about many things, many things, quantity. FOMO. I don't want to miss out. How many times have we went to serve the Lord and we don't want to miss out on everything so we say yes to every opportunity? We say yes to every person who asks. We say yes to every invitation, every phone call, everything that's out there we say yes to. Because of FOMO, 
And he said, Martha, Martha, got FOMO. But Mary has chosen the right thing. You don't understand that maybe a year from now you won't see me anymore. I'm going to be gone. Sit here while you can. Be with me. He says, Mary has chosen, notice this, that good part. Notice the part. Part. Partial. Partake. Partial. Part. See, when you choose Jesus and his plan for you, you don't get it all. But you get what's most important. (laughs) You don't get everything. You do pass up on a lot of opportunities, a lot of parties, a lot of conversations, a lot of opportunities. But you get what's most important. What's the Lord speaking to you right now? Listen, you get what's most important. It's not all about getting, I want to make the most of every opportunity. No, you don't. Because Satan gave an opportunity to Eve that she should have passed up on. Mary has chosen the part, just less. She didn't have it all, but she selected the best, that good part. Notice, she selected quality, not quantity. She selected to lay those other things aside for a while and just what she needed to do. Martha had quantity, many things. Mary had quality, one thing. In uh, 2 Peter 1.4, I'll just read the scripture to you briefly. It says, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers, partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What does the world do? It conditions you to think if you have more, if your flesh is satisfied, if your eyes are satisfied, if your pride's satisfied, then you'll, it's really gold, glitter, glory, right? Sex, drugs, rock and roll. It's really like those, those three. It's all about feeding me. I have more money. I have more power. I have more fame. I have more to me. And at the end of the road, you see these people commit suicide. Why? Because they haven't escaped the lust. And that's what he says here. Let's be partakers, part of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And notice he said to Mary, he said, what Mary's chosen, she didn't choose everything. She chose a part, and this is not going to be taken from her. I'm going to let her have and hold on to. Worship is about love and response, but listen, church. You have to choose it. You have to choose it. You have to choose the presence of the Lord. And because of it, you're going to pass up on some marvelous opportunities. I have passed up on marvelous opportunities with people. Things that people have asked me, can you do this? Can you do that? And I've just said, you know, I really can't. Really can't. Jesus. We come before you today. Come on, do it with me. We come before you today. <laughs> Jesus, there may be things that just like Martha says, lay those things down. If there are things that you're speaking to lay down, speak it to us, Lord. 
God, and even, even, maybe not all the things, maybe it's just choosing you and we forget about the things. We come before you and worship you. We come before you and recognize our need for you. Come on, would you speak to him? Say, I need you, God. Forgive me for putting other things in front of you. Forgive me for being cold or hot. Forgive me for loving the world, not loving you. This isn't a condemnation session. This is a time to really just select priorities in our life. That when we choose you, we really do miss out on some things. But we've caught the main thing. We've paid attention to what's truly important in our lives. Jesus, I make you the priority of my life. Jesus, I put you first. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.